are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It's Friday, June 10th. A fantastic day, fantastic episode. Uh, Coming up in... You know, this episode, we will have hits and misses to start the show like we normally do. Uh, Then we're going to get into a rant from Tim. In the second segment, Mike Nicastro comes on, one of the favorite guests of the show. He's been on before. Absolutely going to be fantastic to listen to. He just just knows his stuff so well. Um, And it's like all he does, you know, I mean, which is basically all I do as well. But, I mean, he just... <laughs> Amy, he's just... He's on Twitter responding to people, um, making mock drafts. I think he made a seven-round mock draft. He did. I mean, do you know how much knowledge you have to have? to First of all, to want to do that, and then to be able to do that. And I think he got the um, DeMarvin Leal pick uh, correct. I saw that on his mock draft because yeah. I, I checked it out. Um, so... He just knows his stuff. He, he's a good guy to talk to. So um, he super will, nice guy. He will be with us in the second segment. Uh, and then in the third, we will have uh, our top five quarterback wide receiver duos going into the 2022 season. Uh, and that will be you know a good list to get out. I feel like it's kind of one of the more pressing issues for a team. I mean, we've seen now Cincinnati go through an entire season with a horrific and, I mean, utterly bad really, offensive really bad. line. Really bad. And... You know, that's usually one of the building blocks and pieces that matters the most when you're putting together a Super Bowl roster. Um, so they were able to go do it with just basically Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, you will see, I'm just going to tell you, they are on the list. You'll see where they're at on the list oh, yeah. uh, is a little more shocking. So stick around for that. We will be getting to that in the third segment, like I said. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with hits and misses like normal. Uh, don't want to mess with what works. So let's go there. Per usual. All right, so we hit number one. <clears throat> so a little bit of hockey. So I, I, I did pick Calgary as my dark horse. Obviously, that is technically a miss. But I did say in conjunction with that that the Avalanche should be favored. Um, and wow, God, are they just, they're just so good. They are. And they are, um, I think they're up 2-0, maybe even 3-0 at this point. Um, I mean, they're just a different level of hockey team. Uh, first of all, they're fast, they're skilled, they're disciplined, right? Fantastic watch. One of the best watches in the league. And normally you'll get like a like a team like Arizona, right? When it, when they're clicking, like in football I'm talking, one of the best watches in the league. Not always the best team, right? They're not they're not the most technically sound up front. Very uh, exciting has some with, holes. Very exciting though with Kyler, with the weapons that they have when, when they're playing on all cylinders. Absolutely. Rondale Moore, yeah. right? Zach Ertz, like really, really fun watch. The Avalanche are the best watch in the league and probably the best team, right? Because not only are they skilled, they're fast, they're moving. They're also really disciplined, have great defense. The coaching's fantastic. The goaltending's great. What they did against the Blues was impressive to me. I watched a lot I of mean, that series. A lot, and especially game four, I think it was. The Avalanche dominated. I mean, they were just, they were all over every single puck. You know, we watch the Penguin games all the time. And we sit there, we're like, why is nobody there? Like, it when, seems like when we a, weren't when, in when the a spots. rebound will come out. Right. I mean, everybody's in the right spot. Right. Everybody's taking shots. The shots are really quality. I mean, just placement-wise, velocity. 
they've been really, really patient over the last couple of years, letting their young guys kind of come up, develop McCarr and McKinnon. And I was going to say, it feels like for like the last five, six years, they've been, been saying, oh, the, the Avalanche are going to be really good coming up. And, right. And I think, they finally are. I think the chemistry that they've built in those growing pains, that's probably why they're all in the, in the right spot all the time. The spacing, they're used to where, who's going to be where, yeah. in what situation. So the spacing is really, really good. All right, miss number one here. So I, I've got to say, I'm not a big complaint about the refs, the umpires, whatever. Um, you know, calls happen. They go both ways, right? The ebbs and flow. But I have seen some horrific umpire issues with the MLB. Like, like really bad. And I don't even think it's the calls that are really the problem here. I think it's like the professionality of the umpires. I mean, seriously, I just watched a game. So in, the, the game in question is what caused me to feel this way, right? So the game I'm going to talk about, an ump... So, so the pitcher didn't like a couple calls, said something, nothing that crossed the line, right? You'll see uh, MLB pitchers kind of say something towards the umpire every now and then. Didn't say anything super aggressive, didn't walk aggressively towards the plate, took a couple steps off the mound. You know, where was that? Outside? It wasn't outside. Like um, The normal. Know, yeah, right, the normal stuff, right? Didn't cross the line. The ump then proceeded to take three aggressive steps towards the mound, like aggressive steps towards the pitcher. Had to be held back. Like the catcher had to get in front of him. Like the catcher from the Diamondbacks had to get in front of him. The manager then comes out to let him know, hey, that's not okay. Like, that's not okay for an umpire to initiate that sort of altercation. Yeah. Before he even got to the home plate area, the coach got thrown out. I mean, that, that is ridiculous. That is... The, the fact that the umpire can start the that's altercation, soft. start the altercation, and then throw out the, the manager for wanting an explanation as to why he would start the altercation. That's ridiculous. That's utterly ridiculous. It, that umpire should be suspended, fined, under review to be terminated. I mean, Seriously, it, that it, is embarrassing for the league. It's so embarrassing. It's so soft. It's so soft. What you, you can't at least hear the coach out. You can't explain uh, why the, you felt the need to walk aggressively towards the mound. Why you're acting like that. Uh, I, I also saw one. I forget what game it was. But the pitcher got thrown out in the last inning. He was the closer. Yeah. And he almost hit, I think it was the Dodger. No, no, no. It was a. Um, it was an Astro that threw inside to a Royal. That's what it was. And here's the it thing. It was in the last inning. Last inning. And and they, they were like, oh, it could have been retaliatory because they hit um, Jordan Alvarez. The Royals hit Jordan Alvarez with a slider. With a slider. And it's like a four-run game, 7-3 in the ninth. Why would the closer want to hit somebody? I don't somebody? know. You said, when you started talking about the umps, I was like, oh, that's where he's going with it. And then it wasn't. There's two examples right there from, like, the last week in MLB baseball from... Right. And you want to know who that, that umpire was? Vic Carapaza, the one that, the one in the in the Royals game. That's ridiculous. I mean, first of all, nobody goes to see the umpires, right? They, I think they make it about themselves, and it bothers me so much. Yeah. Uh, it's embarrassing for the league. Okay, I've, I've said it a thousand times, this hit number two. I've said it a thousand times, and I'll get to it more um, in my little rant here in a couple minutes. But quarterbacks are of such uber importance and uber value. Um, the, the Broncos just sold for $4.5 billion with a B. Um, and, they, and I don't I don't think that's because they're a super well-run organization since Elway and Manning, right? Since Elway, they haven't found their franchise guy. They had Manning, they rented him for a year and got a Super Bowl out of it. Yeah, They haven't been able to kind of steer the franchise in the right direction for like a for like a decade right like a not a dynasty but a really solid decade like kind of what the Steelers had with Big Ben decade and a half of just we're not going to lose we're not win it all but we're just not going to lose they haven't been able to do that um and I don't think I think it's Russell Wilson the reason that they got the 4.5 billion dollars I mean that that's point blank I mean just his name alone probably adds 
maybe even a billion. So <laughs> I, yeah, I said up to eight hundred million. Uh, it, maybe. Uh, all right, miss number two. I said this uh, that the Phillies division to lose, like now that Jacob Degrom was out for like a large portion of the the, the first part of the season, right? Could be out until the deadline, um, and could be out till the All Star break. Well, they've they've now fired Joe uh, Girardi. And they just can't find their way to even second in the division. They're just really no. not super competitive. Now, granted, they had a pretty sweet game the other day where Bryce hit a, a upper decker grand slam, and then a rookie walked it off with a three-run blast. So maybe starting to right the ship a little bit, but right now they just don't look like it's going to be their division. Hit number three. Um, I say it all the time. Good teams get it. Bad teams don't. The Bears can't keep anybody. They can't keep anybody. Traded Khalil Mack. Couldn't pay Allen Robinson. Now Akeem Hicks um, is been signed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was their def- best defensive player post Khalil Mack, um, at least most impactful. And I, I don't understand uh, how they can be so poorly run. Like I, j- I just don't get it. I don't understand it. They're so poorly run that they have no money to pay anybody worthwhile, and they and they have a young even... quarterback. They're not even paying their quarterback. No, they're not paying their quarterback. They're not really paying any position of need. I mean, linebacker and safety. I can't even tell you their best safety. Is it Eddie Jackson, maybe? And that, that's where their money's tied up in. Doesn't make any sense to me. Doesn't make any sense. I, we don't have a miss number three today. Um, we just have another hit because I, I it took me... I was sitting here for five, ten minutes stewing over what I could possibly say is a miss number three. Couldn't find anything. We're just that good. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when, when you're such a Look, well-run show. We're getting good at this. We are. Point blank. Uh, when you can't find a third miss, you can only find a fourth hit. That only says... I mean, that's only good. It is only good. So, so, so anyway. what is it? My pick um, for AL MVP was Rafael Devers. Now, he's not the favorite right now. He's probably third, but most years he'd be number one. First of all, Judge is on a torrent pace, and so is um, Jose Ramirez from the Guardians, right? Jose Ramirez is on pace for like 150 RBIs, which is disgusting. Right? If it wasn't for those those two ahead of him, Devers would be the odds-on favorite. He's absolutely balling out, right? He's on pace for like 35 bombs. He's on pace to hit three, uh, like 340 on the year, um, almost 100 ribbies, and probably a gold glove, and that was his weakness a couple years ago. Wow. And he's turned into a strength, might be a gold glover, and I probably think he'll even beat those stats that I just listed. I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, like I said, he was my pick for MVP. He's definitely in the top three to five right now for AL MVP. I mean, he's been a dog. Big fan of Rafael Devers. So I want to transition into a little bit of football. Um, and there, there hasn't been a whole lot of football news, but I think there's something that's pretty important for not just – you know, oh, who's better than who or something like that right in this current moment. I think it's pretty important for the entire sport, right? Um, and I've been saying this for a while. This was part of hits and miss, and I said I'd elaborate on it. Here it is, right? So Russell Wilson is one of the most valuable people in football. Not just not just players. I'm talking people, right? I don't think – there's a very short list of people that will go to a franchise and completely change it, right? From, from president, CEO, all the way down to the 50, what, third man on the roster. Right? I think he's one of the most valuable people in the NFL that can go to a team and completely change the culture. Completely change. We, we, we see GMs and coaches and CEOs, presidents, whatever. We see recycling of these positions, right? Fired, hired. I mean, we have eight new coaches every single season, every single NFL season. Probably another four more GMs, it feels like. Maybe, maybe two or three, but turnover everywhere, right? You, you can't change my mind that Russell Wilson is one of the major reasons the Broncos just sold for $4.5 billion. You just can't you can't do it. Right? If Drew Locke is the quarterback of the Broncos right now, 
I think they sell for about $3.7, $3.8 billion. Right, so still have good weapons, good defensive line, good secondary. Even say they say they still hire the young coach, Nathaniel Haggett, young coach, up-and-coming coach. Um, ownership's pretty good. John Elway's there, right? That you know he's, he's, He brings some cachet. He's pretty valuable, right? I, I don't think they even come close to $4.5 billion. I, I, I don't say. I mean, seriously, right? They didn't even scratch the surface of the playoffs with Drew Locke. And now they're in the top three in Super Bowl odds. You don't think that matters? I mean, I mean, it, it, it definitely matters. I'll tell you that right now, right? Detroit, with more people in the city, right? Bigger market, Detroit. Been around just as long. Doesn't have quite the history of success, but certainly a lot of fans, right? They've been around. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, right? Some good names, right? They, trust me, they aren't getting $4.5 billion. Let me tell you why. Because they stink. Right? They're not, they're not good. They're not competitive, generally speaking. I, don't, I, I like their offseason, but they're not good. They're not competitive. How about a more fair comparison? I think Philadelphia is a more fair comparison. I think they have a more of a history of success. Um, I, I think, generally speaking, the, the, the populations are a little bit closer, right? Size of the city. Um, pretty passionate fans. I'd argue even Philly has more passionate fans. Um, and I think skill-wise for the teams right now, they're comparable. The weapons, it's close, right? A.J. Brown, Jalen Rieger, who I don't love, but nonetheless still has some talent, right? Devontae, or yeah, Devontae Smith, um, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, right? D-line and pass rush, pretty good, right? Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Um, they just got Jordan Davis in Philly, right? And then on the flip side, um, the Broncos, right? They just completely rebuilt their off, uh, the defensive line, right? D.J. Jones, Randy Gregory, right? Bradley Chubb will be back. Um, maybe slight edge to Denver there, right? Secondary, I think, is pretty solid. Denver's a little bit younger, right? Eagles just got Bradbury. That's a solid secondary, both with a young coach. I see a lot of similarities with the rosters. I really do. Philly's not going to garner $4.5 billion on the open market. I'll tell you that right now. If they went up to for sale tomorrow, now granted, might be influenced a little bit by this most recent purchasing of the Broncos, right? Kind of reset the market a little bit. right? But Philly's not going to get $4.5 billion. With Jalen Hurts? Yeah, and he even got to the playoffs, and he's pretty productive. I don't love his upside, but he's productive. Guess the Eagles are what the Eagles are worth right now. About $3.8 billion. Just like I said that the Broncos would be with Drew Locke. And I said, I threw out a, I threw out a number. I'm thinking, I think Russ is probably worth about seven to $800 million. Seriously. In the, in the, in the value for that franchise. And he's worth, worth about that. What do you know? $4.5 billion minus the $3.8. We're about $700 million. That's called a culture shift. That's called influence, right? You're, you're, you're commanding greatness from everybody in the building. You rise to that occasion. He affects the entire organization, just like Tom Brady with Tampa, or just like Joe Burrow with Cincinnati, just like Mahomes with KC, Josh Allen with Buffalo, Herbert with the Chargers. Now, granted, it's L.A., so it's not like he made that team relevant, right? They're, they're in L.A. They're, they're just by default relevant, but he made them successful. Right, but some teams don't get it. Chicago, both New York teams, Houston. Right, those those organizations don't they don't get that you need to make a splash at quarterback. Here's the organizations that do. Right, how about Denver, for example? Both LA teams going out and, and getting a big swing with a quarterback. How about Vegas, who realizes, hey, it's an offensive league. We should probably go get Devontae Adams. How about Buffalo, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Arizona? All teams I would really, really want to be this morning. Right, those are that that's value. Right? What do you think the bills would get on the open market right now? The bills. 
small town New York, right? Not maybe not small town, but Buffalo's not this is not Philadelphia, it's not New York, right? Right now, if I am a I don't know, hundred billionaire. Well, I mean, if I am like Jeff Bezos, right, and I want to buy a franchise, hmm, between Buffalo and let's go with even a big city like like in New York. How about how about one with more success? So the Giants have generally historically been more successful. The Giants or the Buffalo Bills this morning? Well, let's see. So we have the Giants in one hand, rookie coach, um, quarterback is probably gone after this season, wildly overpaid wide receiving core that never stays healthy and is never on the field. Um, no talent on the offensive line. The defense is very overpaid and not very good. The drafts have been average at best, and I'll be nice. Or, oh, but, but on the pro side on that one, big city. Or would I rather be Buffalo? Josh Allen, Vaughn Miller, Stephon Diggs, uh, Sean McDermott, a proven head coach. Gabriel Davis, who's a 24-year-old stud of a, a second or third receiver. Stud. Just got O.J. Howard. Tons of offensive talent. Tredavious White on the back end. In the top three in Super Bowl odds and should compete for it. Or New York. Gal take Buffalo. Over the course of that investment, do you know how much money Josh Allen is going to make Buffalo? Do you know how many home playoff games he's going to have for the next decade? Plus, you can't leave out Bill's Mafia. You think Bill's Mafia? I don't care. Put put your price on the playoff tickets in Buffalo. The Bill's Mafia is going. Right? It's going to sell out. Put your price tag on it. Do you know how much money that he's going to make that franchise? In just playoff games alone. Not to mention the fact that he is competitive, and they are the favorites going into every single football game that they're ever going to have at home. At home with Josh Allen. Chiching, Right? Right, that every single game's gonna sell out. Yeah, every single one of them. Every playoff game's gonna sell out. You think Kansas City isn't gonna isn't making big bucks off Mahomes already? Not to mention endorsements and all that, right? Because not only does some endorsement go to Mahomes, but if it's affiliated with the Chiefs, it goes partially to the Chiefs, right? We we understand that. I mean, it's. I mean, Russell Wilson just single-handedly made the former owner of the Broncos about $700 million extra dollars. That's why they're not drafting these players solely based on skill and solely to be a quarterback. They're drafting who's going to be the best guy at the podium, who's going to be the best face of this franchise, the face of this team. That's why it's such a valuable position, because I, they make your organization so much more money than just right, ticket sales. And, right, right. I, I, have my, I have my knocks on Dak. One of them is never what he's going to say at the podium. Right, as a business owner, Jerry Jones, of course he loves Dak. Of course he always says the right thing. Dak's a great, really good on advertisements. Yep. Not to be weird, but like he's got the football smile, right? He's got like the the quarterback. Just looks like a quarterback, right? right? He's he just, just a has leader. That, has he has that, that leadership mentality. And as much as I have my concerns about Dallas, I don't think they're ever going to be bad with Dak. No, they'll di- never be bad, but and they in that division, be... they have a chance to host a playoff game almost every year right now. They do, as long as. Everything falls their way. Right, right. But I mean, like, right now, I don't think they're significantly worse than Philly. No. no I, I like Philly's roster better, but I don't think they're significantly worse. Like, but I, would I it think... surprise you if Dallas won the division? No, but I, no. I think it, it's funny you bring it up. I think it puts a lot of pressure on Dallas now that Philly's starting to stack a little bit of ammo. I mean, going up and, and getting A.J. Brown in the draft. Well, Jordan Davis. Not getting him in the draft, but acquiring him around right, the draft. Through, through, through a trade. Yeah. And just in free agency in general, basically. They killed it on their draft. They killed it in free agency. Yeah. Um, 
And what did Dallas do? Lost, I don't know, like five of their top seven players? Right. So I, I feel like this season there's a little more pressure on Dallas. Right, but back to my original point. The value of Dak. Right? Like, I don't even like Dak. And he's still really, really valuable. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's the value of these quarterbacks. They make buku bucks for the boys. They do. Uh, went off track there a little bit. The owners bit, but... are sitting in there cashing it. Hey, it's all right. I mean, we got time. We got, we, we got a minute or so, right? We can go off schedule a little bit. Have some fun. <laughs> Um, especially because um, we have Mike DeCastro on next segment. Yeah, um, for that. It's so good to just pick his brain, right? Not many more people um, around this area, especially, you know, not not small-time guys, right? But, you know, guys that are kind of in the same spot as us have a podcast, still growing it, right? And, mm-hmm. like, he is so connected, so fun to talk to. Um, seriously, go support his show. Yins are crazy. He'll, he'll, we'll talk about it. Um, next segment, but it, it's going to be a pleasure to talk to him. So yeah, very excited for that. Uh, we're wasting time sitting here looking at our ugly faces. So I mean, no, yeah, I mean, let's just get to Mike Nicastro. Uh, going to be a great second segment. Should we do and a then, drum roller, and then leading into the third segment, we will have <laughs> our uh, top five quarterback and wide receiver duos uh, to close out the show. But first, Mike Nicastro of YinzerCrazy.com. All right, here we are sitting now with Mike Nicastro. He's uh, lucky, or we're lucky enough, I guess, to be able to get him on Zoom and, uh, and talk to him a little, little better than a phone call. Mike, how you doing, man? Good. I'm lucky, too. What do you mean? I get to hang out with you guys. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Uh, Mike Nicastro, Yinzer Crazy Podcast. Uh, he's been on before. Also, YinzerCrazy.com. Go check it out. Uh, they had awesome stuff. I know you guys covered the NFL draft a lot. You had a lot of stuff on the mock draft uh, for Pittsburgh and just a lot of NFL teams in general. So you're very well-versed in your uh, football knowledge and in even baseball. So we're going to get into all of it today. Let's go. Um, Mike, so, so personally, I'm kind of indifferent about the, the, the picket selection. Like I think at face value, right, they upgrade at the most important position. That's important. But I'm not sure he's special, right? I think my personal choice, I would have probably retooled for maybe next year, right? I'm not saying tank. See what Mitch can do. Maybe win six, seven games. We'll be in a position to draft. I I know that Tyler Van Dyke has been slotted somewhere around where we would have been, you know, 10, 12 area. Um, but I don't mind the selection. What are your thoughts on Kenny Pickett first? And then secondly, the rest of the draft as well. Yeah, I hear you, Tim. I get the point. I was shocked, I think, along with the rest of Steelers Nation that they passed on Malik Willis. Maybe it's easy to sit here in hindsight and say you're less shocked because he went in the third round. Um, but the upside factor you thought was really going to come into play more than it does with Pickett naturally, right? Now, who knows? There, there's nobody for sure that is like, yeah, we know his ceiling is capped. Like that, you can't speak in definites when you talk about that. However, it feels that way because he's, uh, you know, going to be 24. Uh, he spent five years at Pitt, right? So um, the guy feels like he's about as good as he's going to be just without NFL schemes, tutelage, coaching. Always there's room to improve. Of course he's going to improve. He's, he's, it's not like he's 36, right? right. Um, but at the same time, the comparisons for Pickett were like, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins at his ceiling, at his height. Those are good quarterbacks, right? There's nothing There's nothing wrong with those guys at the end of the day. If you build a really good team around them, you can win. I think the Steelers maybe were swayed a tiny bit by the fact that he was in the building. Uh, they played and trained again outside facility. 
or not against him, but with him for five years. Right. Probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, and, and I think part of their mentality also is like, let's throw darts at the wall. Like, let's throw as many as we can and hope we hit a bullseye. Sign Mitch, bring in Kenny. Um, obviously, the, an awful, unfortunate, tragic passing with Dwayne Haskins, but he would have been in the mix. Even drafting Chris Oladokun shows that they're just throwing darts and hoping, hoping one hits. And if one hits, that's awesome, right? Uh, I've always said, like, if, if Trubisky is very, very good, if he comes out and shows Pro Bowl form like he did for uh, a season previously with the Bears, that's a great problem to have, right? Right. Uh, if he's not very good, you turn it over to Kenny. And a lot of fans are like, thank goodness we drafted Pickett. So, yeah, I mean, I, I get the pick from the perspective that obviously you need a good quarterback to win in the NFL. Um, he has some – Joe Burrow comps maybe to yeah, a smaller a degree. Bit, a little bit. So. It, the experience, the mobility. Um, I think those are two things that in the leadership, there's another one I think that you really want to throw in there. That's the peak, man. That's the ceiling, of course. Like if he turns out to be Joe Burrow, Oof. yeah, you don't second guess. That's going to be a guy who's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be weird if he turns out to be Mitch Trubisky. I don't know what the heck you do if, if those two kind of have the exact flight plane for two years. It'll be interesting to find out. Um, yeah, as for the rest of their class, I love it. Really do. Uh, great value with George Pickens in the second round. You know, people all like to throw out there all the time, this guy would have been the first player taken if he stayed healthy, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, people say, Justin Ross, if he didn't have his back problems from Clemson, first, second round, this is true with George Pickens. Like, this dude would have been a, a top 10 slam dunk pick. Uh, crazy, like, catch radius, ball skills. He's tall. He's fast. He could just be a bit of an ass sometimes. That's a little bit of uh, the knock on him. But I'm shocked they got him where they got him. Um, And to pass on Sky Moore shows you a lot about how they felt about Pickens. DeMarvin Leal, I actually – that's the one pick I got right in my mock draft. There you go. uh, Which is – actually, too, I got Connor Hayward, which is a lot more than, than a lot of people could say. Um, I like him a lot. The steel, I knew the Steelers liked him because they watched so damn much of him. They drafted Dan Moore and Buddy Johnson, and when they're watching those tape from 2021, they're seeing DeMarvin Leal all over the field. For- yeah. Right now. Um, a little bit. So Alvin Austin, great value guy to replace Greg McLeod. Uh, and then obviously some some pieces in there as well, like Oladoku, who knows, could, could add some a speed element, be a lot of fun there. Uh, so, so we'll see. I'm not one to hand out grades because who knows. Uh, but if you force me, if you put a gun to my head, I'd give it a solid B plus. Yeah, that's. I think that's exactly what we gave it. So, and that kind of makes sense. So you mentioned like the whole Mitch thing. Oh, you know, um, Kenny's 24, right? And I, I'm. With, I think that he should start day one. I think bare minimum by week four, right? I, I think he should be starting because um, if not, we're going to miss out on next year's draft class. Like if we don't see what we have this year with Kenny Pickett. I think next year's draft class is too loaded to miss out on, kind of like a Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray scenario, right? Start him. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we got. I'm not afraid to move off him after only a year. What are your thoughts moving forward? Do you start him day one? Do you wait? Do you, I mean, is it just a true quarterback battle who wins it in, in practice? Well, what's your thoughts? Yeah, that's interesting. I've waffled uh, on this, to be honest. Right when Kenny was drafted, I was on your team. I was on Team Tim, and I said – you don't take a 24-year-old quarterback and keep him on the bench. You know, if, that, if that's the case, you, you don't take that guy. You take a younger guy, Ritter, Willis, Sam Howe at 21. 
Now, once again, in hindsight, when all these guys drop to the fourth round, it doesn't sound as sexy. Uh, however, I've, as I mentioned before, I've kind of shifted perspective and I would start Mitch with a short leash naturally. And a short leash can do a lot of good things for, for Mitch because it, it tells him that he needs to be productive, as good as he can be these first handful of games. The reason I, I would start with Mitch is because I feel like you can easily transition from Mitch to Kenny. But once Kenny's in there, you can't go to Mitch. That's fair. You just can't do it. I, right. I think even if Kenny really, really struggles, you get in his head, right? You, it's, it's, you know, it's like pulling a, you know, a, a pitcher with a no hitter. I, I don't know. Like it, right. next time he steps on the mound, he's going to be a little like, I should say it's like a, a pitcher with having a line drive hit over his head. The next time he goes out there, he's going to be seeing things and, and right. have ghosts. Like Sam Darnold, right? Like he's going to lose confidence. Right. So you can make that transition a lot easier than you can do the opposite. And once again, if Mitch is really good, cool. Stick with him, win football games, good supporting cast around him. If he sucks, whatever. You drafted Kenny Pickett for a reason, right. and then you're right. You'll get to find out if you had two guys, two darts, and they both missed the board the board next year and have more darts to draft a guy like Van Dyke or a guy like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. You mentioned this class is nasty. Uh, I just, for what it's worth, I don't see the Steelers finishing like worse than 5-12 and 12 anyway, so I don't know that they'll have a shot at those guys. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. Um, so real quick, we got about five minutes, or actually more like three. Um, the Broncos just bought or got bought for four point five million. I think you could attribute eight hundred million to Russell Wilson. Do you think that's crazy? Like take take Philly, who I think is pretty comparable weapons, secondary, D line, young coach, relatively similar size cities. Philly's maybe a little bit bigger. I think four point five. I don't think they'd get that with Hertz. What are your thoughts on kind of franchise and how quarterback dependent they are, and even like the Broncos specifically? I thought you guys bought the Broncos, right? I wish, huh? That'd be nice. No wonder you're asking the question. Yeah. Um, no, it's it. I get it. It's. I mean, it's a little more strange when you have the quarterback who's aging. Um, it would make more sense for you know a team like the Bengals to go at that value because it's Joe Burrow, or you know, you gave an example of Jalen Hurts, right? I, I I don't know about the stability ultimately there. Right. In terms of of value being at the highest. It's always at the highest when you have a really damn good quarterback. The examples from the last few years prove it ten, you know, to the nth degree. Right. Matt Stafford goes to the Rams. They win his freaking Super Bowl, right? Brady takes over for Jameis. Their value has never been higher. Ticket prices, you could have walked into that stadium for $11 probably with Jameis. And now you can't walk in for less than, you know, $150. Right. Uh, it's just a quarterback-driven league. Quarterbacks bring revenue. I mean, here you go. When's Russell Wilson's first game going to be? Monday night. Yep, yep. Monday night, week one, right? Just like that. Yep. Monday night, prime time. I think it's against Seattle, his old team. It is, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure, which is which is going to be awesome. Just like that. Are they getting that with Drew Locke? No. Uh, you know, no are, shot. Are they? If they? When's the last time? You know, they get a prime time game with Trevor Simeon. Uh, you know, back in the day. No. So a quarterback changes everything. The valuation. I get it. They win the Super Bowl. Awesome. There's a lot of pressure on them. In the Super Bowl. Um, just like the Rams had and the Bucks had. If they don't and have to look for another rookie quarterback, yeah, maybe a mistake. Right. I, I, I totally agree. So, um, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure running along time. I really, really appreciate you stopping by, especially on Zoom. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. You got it, boys.
Yinzercrazy.com. Yes, sir. Download the YC podcast. Subscribe, like it, hit us up. It's the issue. There you go. Hey, we appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. All right, all right. We are back. Third segment, the issue. Just got done talking to Mike DeCastro. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say that he didn't say. I mean, I mean, he's so well versed um, in the Steelers football. Uh, even a little bit of Buckos. We didn't even get to Buckos, but um, really, really well versed with the Pirates too. I think he said he had David Bednon. Go check that out. Um, the Pirates closer. Of course, after you're done listening here, we appreciate you stopping by. But um, fr- Friday uh, is it the tenth already? Yeah. It is the 10th. Uh, we are, June's flying. I know. 10 days through June already. Doesn't feel like it at all. Um, you know, the weather's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, sorry. I guess we didn't do that in the second segment. Third segment. Um, hot. Like, really, really warm. Yeah. 80s almost every day. The normal, sunny. I mean, the normal June in Pittsburgh, I, staying light longer, I mean, that's a plus. I mean, it's, we'll better, it. it's better than the rainy spring, the cold winter, the windy fall. Like, because I'm a there fan. was a stretch there where we were recording, and it was like rain every time i feel like always precipitation always windy well whenever we recorded up at slippery rock for a while of yeah. course it it was windy i mean it's always windy there every single day it's a wind every single it's a wind tunnel month ever it really is it really is actually i'm not sure summer is better than fall nothing beats early fall like a september yeah, a September, like September, or early October. Early. I would not go. Like, just getting there. Late October kind of gets too close to November, December feeling. A little cold. People start playing Christmas music on on Halloween, which but I, I don't get. With I will say, I don't mind sweater weather though. Put on some sweats, a little hoodie action. That's fine. And like early NFL season, awesome. Because oh, every Sunday is like a holiday. But we went to a game in December. Was that December or January? That was December. That was no, December. it was January. It was just January like sixth or something no, like that. that. That was was it? Was it? definitely January. One hundred percent, I remember. Okay, it was after the New Year. Okay, so which yeah, would be in January? That was cold. Late NFL season gets tough. That was not fun. No, that was not. Fun, but well, that's it, also not fall anymore. So I just want to clarify. Yeah, it is. is it no. Yeah, but I mean, spring goes into June. Like <laughs> crazy things happen. All right, when does like the end of fall? Uh, either way, we have our top five. Quarterback wide receiver duo. Um, this segment we can't get too carried away with talking about Pittsburgh weather here in the third segment. Tim, we got to stay on some sort of a, a schedule of routine. Come on, here. we are not meteorologists here. Not yet, at least. Uh, so we we're going to start. We should just green screen this and put the the radar up every single time we talk about the weather. We'll just <laughs> as you see, we got a cold clip, front moving through. Clip the radar. We got a we... low pressure system. It's gonna it's gonna hit. We're gonna have some precipitation. What we could even do is take the camera outside, take a little, take a couple of videos, and show some clips. You know, as we like pan across the we geologists and botanists <laughs> and such. All right. So what we are though, in reality, are, are two guys that know a good deal about sports so let's get back to that yeah um yeah top five wide receiver quarterback duos heading into the 2022 season so this is not what they have done well, i mean a little bit what they have done but what we feel they can do this coming season right like we have a guy we have people on this list who haven't even played together yet oh, in yeah. the nfl so it, it's what we think you can do and will do this upcoming season so yeah. let's get into it okay let's start um Number let's go start with number five. Let's start with number five. Um, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. First of all, I think Derek Carr is a top ten quarterback. Now I think he's nine or ten, maybe eleven, but I think he's really really solid. And I think Devontae Adams. 
I mean, certainly has the argument that he's the best receiver in football. Like a very, very good, compelling argument that he's the number one receiver in football. Certainly the most productive and the most reliable. He's almost never hurt, and he's always producing. You look up. When's the last time you looked up and he had under 50 yards? I don't remember. I really don't. No. I mean, almost never. He's so productive. He gets off the line extremely quick. And... Can we talk about how diverse he is in his routes? I was watching a video where he was kind of explaining some of the stuff he does with, like, footwork technique and getting open. Absolutely insane. I mean, he'll put... Yeah. Because most DBs, let's, or they're expecting two moves. They're expecting either that one and go or that one fake and then hit the other... Right. Hit the other foot and go. He'll come out and throw three, four moves on a dude and have them sitting down on the turf. He, like, dances. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. The footwork is nuts. The routes are nuts. He's got so, good hands. Of course. And then you pair him with a good quarterback like like a Derek Carr. And, right. And I he's mean, already, he already, had a good, uh, already had a good quarterback with Rodgers, but not. I don't think Carr is Rodgers. But I don't think the app is like the Grand Canyon. No. Like, I, don't and, think it's, I don't think it's a crazy. What I'm saying is a quarterback like Derek Carr, if Devontae Adams can get that open, and he, and he is that route runner that can get that open, I mean, Derek Carr is going to have – pretty easy day trying to find him right right i think you can throw to an open man Devonte is frequently open and a new offensive coach with mike mcdaniel or not mike din um josh mcdaniels the uh, former coordinator in new england yeah. so our number four tom brady and mike evans now both solid now i don't think evans is in the top tier of wide receiver i think he's in that next tier down um with like an aj brown with like a justin jefferson jamar chase and they're kind of in that category although chase and jefferson might sneak up to the top um, I don't think he's quite in the top category yet. Now, I do think Tom is still up there with quarterbacks, right? But again, he is aging. Not that he's not committed, but he has talked retirement. He was retired for a second. He's been putting so, a lot of work into his brand and, and the golf brand that he has. Right, and, right. Not that he's not committed, but he's not obsessed like he has been. Yeah. How is that going to play out? And like I said, Evans is good. But is he that next tier? I'm not sure. I don't think he's the most – I think he's the least – okay. I think on, he's the on worst this, on this list. Yeah, on this list of receivers here, I think he's the, the least talented. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, not least, least talented. talented I just don't think he's the best NFL receiver. Right. And out of All things included. Production, skill, durability. All things included, I don't think he's one, He's the I think he's the fifth guy on this list. And, and this next receiver is pretty good. A Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup combo coming in at number three. Um, that is a duo that was electric all year. We saw it. And obviously they have the trophy to show for it as well. They, they have the Lombardi back in L.A. with them this summer. Um, and, I mean, Stafford and Cup, it, it seems that they're always on the same page. Especially, I found Cooper Cup is the ultimate safety valve, too. When Matt Stafford starts getting into tr- uh, some trouble, starts rolling around in the pocket, trying to make some stuff happen, the guy that always seems to know what he wants to like, where Matt Stafford, a bit. Yeah, right, where right. Matt Stafford wants to go with the football is Cooper Cup, and he's always standing in that right spot, or at least getting to that right spot. Um, so, I mean, them at three really makes sense to me. I, I I couldn't agree more. And here's the thing: that duo in the first year led to the best single season yeah. as a wide receiver ever. I'm not sure what other evidence we need. So without further ado, number two, um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Special. I mean, again, first year, a historic rookie season, the best rookie season ever in their first year in the in the, in the the pros together, obviously, because they were at LSU. But, and it also, I don't want to say carried, because that roster did have more talent than I think we give it credit for. But I think we can all admit it's not a Super Bowl roster. I, I, I think Kansas City's was better last year. I think Buffalo's was better last year. Yeah. And they end up coming out, right? So I think 
you can make the argument that in their first year together, they almost carried, uh, and let's go with above average, but not great roster. I was going to say. To the Super Bowl, and was really close to winning it, and was open on the last play if it wasn't for a horrific offensive line allowing Aaron Donald to end the game with a sack. Yes, and, and the thing that really, like I said, really impresses me about this duo, and, and just to reiterate what you said, is they were able to do it without any help. No. Without any help. I mean, you look at a roster like in L.A., Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. Right. Loaded everywhere. Help all, everywhere. All around. Great offensive line. Not to mention great a proven head rush. coach. A pr- very proven head coach. I'd say the best in the game. Um, Some might say. I might agree. So, I mean, with, even, all, even the, Tampa with Bay. all the amenities around them, with all the help that they had the entire season at all of the positions, yes, they were great. The thing that is in, intriguing is how good Joe Burrow and Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase were able to be, especially when Joe Burrow has no time to throw the ball, no protection whatsoever. Which is kind of important considering Jamar Chase is not always, but he is probably his most effective as a down-the-field receiver where time, the play needs time to generally develop. Yeah. And they were still able to be special even though they had no time to throw for that play to develop. But, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are two. Right, okay, let's go with number one. Um, I like Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. First of all, I think Josh Allen is my MVP pick for this upcoming season. Um, I think big, strong, mobile, great arm. Um, now he's added accuracy to the, all of his list of skills, which was his issue, and now it's one of his strengths. And I think Stephon Diggs is up there with Devontae Adams. I think he's a top four to five route runner um, in the league. Great hands, got a little bit of size. Um, not breakaway speed, but it's certainly fast enough. I, I just think they're going to be. And another year of them together can only help. Yeah. I don't see how they're not absolutely prolific this year. Yeah. I agree completely. Uh, I there mean, you go. Josh Allen is, I'd say, the highest ceiling quarterback that we've seen in the league. Um, like right it, now, currently. To, is it crazy to, to me, say to ever? Us. Highest ceiling ever? I, Name me the last quarterback that was 6'6, 250. Ran around like a wide receiver slash running back. Was always the leading rusher and the leading passer. And, oh, by the way, has a cannon. Is now super accurate. Yeah. Like, if he converts all of that to success, which, I mean, granted, that's, I'm not saying that's an easy step, but that is his ceiling. I don't know. I think he's one of the more skilled, like, the more physically skilled quarterbacks to ever play the game. Uh, already. De- definitely one of the most physically skilled. Um, he's I up mean, there with, like, Warren Moon, Randall Cunningham. So, yeah, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs in that number one spot uh, for the top five duos in that's the it, NFL. Folks. That's and, it. Yep, that's all we have for this episode. That was episode 139. Thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, go check out the Instagram at the underscore issue podcast. Um, then go over to the Twitter at the issue podcast. And then, uh, you know, from there and from the description of this episode, you'll be able to find our TikTok, uh, which is the issue underscore podcast, if I'm not mistaken. If it gets not, confusing. it's in the link tree. It's in, a, it's in all the – I mean, you'll be able to find it. The link tree is in the description of all the episodes. It's in uh, the bio of our Instagram, the bio of our Twitter as well. So go there, check it out, um, give it a like, follow, subscribe. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and that was The Issue.